Welcome to the Sliding Doors podcast, a series of long-form conversations with guests about the ideas and experiences that have changed their lives. These sliding doors of opportunity are rare, but worth finding. And this podcast is a roadmap, sort of like squiggles on the back of a napkin. Rough, but hopefully useful. So join us, because we think it could be a fun ride. Hey, Sushil, how are you doing? Not bad at all, Rohan. How are you doing? I'm doing well, given the givens of uh, the craziness going on around us. Mm -hmm. How have you been managing? Social isolation hasn't been too hard, because I usually isolate myself socially. Um, But the not being able to go out like to the shops and stuff like that or even just to meet friends is a is a is a teeny bit annoying but i really can't complain because with the internet i mean you're sort of isolated but then again not really right yeah so have you been um using this as a time to connect with old friends and it's funny you should say that i always try and keep in touch with old friends but what i'm noticing now is that a lot of people who just hadn't responded to me in a while mm-hmm. are now getting back in touch because they, because they have nothing to do they have a lot of corona time yes <laughs> <laughs> corona so time. i'm making my way up on their uh, priorities list sure what about you what's been what's been happening at your end so i've just been uh, laying low doing what i normally do um taking the time to work on a few personal projects um i have one related project and I need to build a website for that. So I'm getting that ready. Um, right. I have not really been connecting with too many people. I'm trying to stay a little um, on the down at the moment. But I will be, hopefully this week I will be connecting with uh, people because uh, uh, I wanted to spend some time reaching out to people I haven't spoken to anyway. So that'll probably be this week. Right. And, um, and uh, so just so that our audience knows where we are, I, I just want to uh, tell them that I'm holed up in my tower in Palikarne, which is um, a nice building. We have uh, three floors. The ground floor is my studio and office. The first floor is my house. And the top floor is my dad's um, uh, 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 paint workshop, which is for, the, for his Royal Enfield customization company. So he's having fun uh, painting stuff, grinding stuff, and you might hear some of that in the background today. Uh, he's been banging around it, uh, knocking stuff into shape <laughs> and grinding stuff. So he's having fun. You, um, you were saying that he's doing a lot of painting, which he wouldn't have done um, if he was at the bullet factory where he normally is. Yes, but we're not talking about artistic painting here. Remember that. Uh, right. So he just got... Board. There was a lot of paint lying around, so he mixed it up to the right uh, shade, and he's painted the entire stairwell. Um, he's painted the entire wall, um, just because it had got scuffed um, over the years. You know, with uh, mechanics going upstairs and downstairs and all of that stuff. Right, right. So yeah, he's keeping himself occupied. Uh, we're staying indoors. Um, but the good thing over here is that since it's um, I call it a tower because uh, we don't have any neighbors. That is exact. Uh, we have basically open plots next to each other, uh, next to our side uh, on 
next to us on either side. Um, so we're kind of isolated. We can look out um, and we have a field and clear blue skies for the moment at least. So we feel like uh, isolated in a towel, uh, tower, not towel. <laughs> what about you? Where are you? <laughs> I am in uh, Valor or Velur, however you want to pronounce that, mm -hmm. which is about two hours away from, well, closer to three hours away from Chennai. Okay. And we live on a plot of land. It's about an acre. It's actually quite beautiful. We've got um, Who's like we? mango trees. and My mother, my father, and myself. All right. So my folks retired. So you live on a farm? About... Yes. <laughs> That's we nice. live on a farm huh. in a house with a, a six-foot deep uh, fish pond. It's wow. five feet by six feet in length and breadth, huh. and then six foot deep with a huge koi. When I say huge, I'm talking about like the length of your arm, like, well, from your fingertips to your elbows. Okay. Um, so when I, when I complain about being um, homebound, uh -huh. it's actually not that big a deal because I still have the land to explore. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see which, how this, yeah, which direction this heads in um, over the next couple of weeks. Fingers crossed. Yeah. Yeah. Meanwhile. Yes. We've been, uh, I, I've been a little interested in something that you were talking about. And uh, this, there's this guy called Joe Rogan, um, who I've seen uh, many years ago on Fear Factor. And I find out now that you are really interested in what he's been up to. Yeah. He's a, he's a huge deal uh, among a certain group of people. Like he has millions of followers. Uh, like, I think they will, like, he gets more people watching his show than a lot of American news channels do. Um, so if you want, if you want to get... What do you mean his show? Which show? Uh, the Joe Rogan Experience. So the Joe Rogan Experience, uh, you get to see him interact with a bunch of people. So uh, they're primarily comedians, mixed martial artists, or subject okay. matter experts like scientists or uh, right um, yeah he he's he's majorly into psychedelics and uh, well he's a huge uh, marijuana advocate so that's the sort <laughs> of uh, yeah he's an interesting guy man he's really an he, interesting he, guy he got Elon Musk into trouble he got uh, Elon, with that right he crashed um, Tesla's stock <laughs> well, just for a day but yes. He got he got Elon Musk to take like a puff of uh, of a, of a uh, of a joint and uh, everyone freaked yeah. out. Um, <laughs> I don't I think I, I I didn't watch that episode, right. but I did watch an episode where he was speaking to. Uh, well, I didn't watch an episode. I watched a couple of clips where he was talking to people about um, intermittent fasting and. Um, stuff like that because i was interested in that topic right and um so like you said yeah subject matter experts and those guys uh really helped um shape what i did in the future because of that i mean uh, what i did from that point onwards right. and this was about a year ago yeah he has so some... tell me because I, I i only know that he's doing talks like this but um what's what's the big deal about him why is he so popular with people yeah well i can get to that i 
maybe it'll help for me to explain how I got to know, uh, well, the virtual, the online Joe, uh, Joe Rogan. Sure. Um, because I, so it all started with, well, yes, fear, I, fear factor was there. And, and also tell me why are you so, um, uh, I think you're really interested in what he's doing. So oh, yes. why are you interested in? Um, so tell me that. I uh, obviously fear factor came across up there. I thought he seemed like a bit of a mm-hmm. jerk, like just his personality rubbed off wrong on me. Absolutely. Um, and, I agree. Uh, yeah, and there's a story there as well. But I then the next thing I, I came across him on was uh, the UFC, mixed martial arts. I remember seeing a right. YouTube I, I video. I don't really follow that too much. Yeah. So I remember seeing a YouTube video of two guys beating the shit out of each other. And mm-hmm. I was horrified and intrigued at the same time. And I watched more <laughs> YouTube videos and I learned about this thing called MMA, mixed martial arts. And then the UFC. And then I started downloading mm-hmm. old UFC fights. And then before, before, before I knew it, I was full-on UFC geek. Like, I've watched every single uh, UFC fight. Like, all the main ones. Um, so, so, have you been into martial arts and fighting and that sort of thing, boxing? Well, so that's the weird thing, man. I did take a mar- mixed martial arts class. Uh, because I've always, okay. both you and I have always been into fitness and exercise and stuff like that. So this interested me. This was something different. I always like new kinds of movement. But I very okay. quickly found that to learn how to fight, you have to fight. You can't just drill. And so that means sparring, right. which means punching someone in the head and body and getting them punch you, letting them punch you. I didn't want yeah. that. I don't want, I have no inclination to hit someone or be hit by someone. So I very quickly stopped uh, mixed martial arts training. But I still did want to watch the fights. And this sort of confuses me because I consider myself to be a very non-aggressive, peaceful sort of person. I don't really have a temper. I generally get along with people easily. But when it comes to watching two, now I've thought about this, it's I don't just want to watch people beat each other up. I uh-huh. want to watch an athlete who is skilled take on another athlete who is skilled. And they sort of, in uh-huh. fact, Joe Rogan describes it amazingly. Fighting is a high-stakes chess game. Like, you're making moves and they're making moves. And you're trying to see who makes the better move and who does it, who does it first. The right. only issue is the consequence is your health. Um, so... There's this element of, it's sort of by watching mixed martial arts and the UFC, it's helped mm-hmm. me recognize that there is aggression in me. It's just not, okay. um, I'm not aware of it and it doesn't come out aside from in pockets like this. Um, so I was getting into the UFC when I realized that some commentators were better than others. Um, and later right. on, I found out it was because when the UFC first started, People didn't know how to describe the moves that were being done. They didn't have words for them. So, okay. for example, how much, about, how much of mixed martial arts do you know? Like, what, what, what is mixed martial arts to you? Well, um, I have watched some UFC matches. My dad has an interest in boxing, so I've watched a bit of boxing. And I've taken a couple of classes um, in what... I, what I thought was, oh, well, it was meant to be uh, mixed martial arts, but what I approached it as was more of a general fitness thing. 
So um, I probably have a little bit of interest in martial arts and fighting. Um, but I really don't follow the UFC. So my understanding of um, UFC and mixed martial arts is that basically it brings together um, fighters of different backgrounds um, and puts them in one ring and they're allowed to use um, multiple different skills um, to take down their opponent. Is that kind of in, uh, what it's about? Right, absolutely. Mixed martial arts is basically the most comprehensive form of fighting there is. So, for example, okay. you have boxing. Now, the rules of boxing is you can use your two fists. You have your left fist and your right mm -hmm. fist. That's it. Right? Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. And you can only hit someone above the belt. You can't hit their legs. I mean, right. there's no point punching someone in their leg. Then you right. have kickboxing, which allows you to use your two fists and your two feet, your legs. So you can kick okay. someone now. Then you have mm. Muay Thai or uh, Thai kickboxing where you're allowed to use your knees so you can knee someone and you can use your elbows. Right. You slam your elbows into them, right? Mm -hmm. So these are all different levels of striking. And then right. you also have wrestling or, uh, well, yeah, wrestling, where you, you clinch with someone, like you get a hold of them and you try and get them to the ground. Right. Now, you can't do that with striking. Like with Muita, you can throw the guy to the ground, but that's it. He has to he then stand up again. So, so MMA incorporates all of this? And once you've thrown the guy to the ground with MMA, you can then follow him to the ground, jump on top of it. And then you have something right. called Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, which is all right. about joint manipulation. So you're, you're, right. you're using parts of your body to lever parts of your opponent's body into positions where it's going to cause them pain or it's going to break a limb or you're going to choke okay. them. So you can't strangle them like, you know, you'd see in a, in a, in a movie, like with your palms, but you can okay. use your arms around their neck. I mean, there are techniques to be followed. The idea being right. that when this is actually the most uh, apt description of where, where that chess analogy becomes most relevant because you make a move on the ground like for example uh -huh. i put my hand around your i mean i put my what they call a rear naked choke which means i'm basically choking you with my elbow right and then okay. you you anticipate what i'm doing and then you start moving one of my arms or one of my legs away from you and then i anticipate right. what you're doing and then i have a counter until right. one so of us puts the other person in a position where we're either going to get choked out, which means we go unconscious, or we're okay. going to break a limb. And at that point, Ooh. the one who mm. is at a disadvantage can tap. Tapping means right. I give up. So it's like checkmate. Right. So mixed martial right. arts is the most comprehensive form of fighting because it allows you to do almost everything. With boxing, kickbox. With boxing, you can't throw knees. You can't. Uh, you can't kick. With kickboxing, you can't throw knees. And for either right. of these, you can't take the person to the ground and start messing with them there. So mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. the thing is, the thing about mixed martial arts is it's new. Like it's about twenty years old. I think ninety five, ninety two, or something like that. Uh, okay. So it's that's less than twenty. No, it's just over twenty. Anyway, so say thirty years old. And so okay. 
when it first came out, no one in the boxing world knew about Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the mm-hmm. moves that they were using, the commentators had right. no idea what they were about. And they had no idea okay. what was going to happen next. Like even now, if you're watching a boxing match, you don't really need to know about the technique, although that will add sure. to, the, to, to your experience. You know what's yeah. happening. Like this guy is punching that mm-hmm. guy. It's pretty clear. But yeah. once you get to the ground, most of us have right. no idea what to do. We don't know what's. Mm-hmm. We don't know what we're watching, and uh, unless mm-hmm. you have a, a skilled commentator, you can get bored because it looks like they're doing nothing. Right. But one arm moving in one position can be the difference between winning and losing. And so that's right. I when can I noticed Joe Rogan because he knew this. Okay. Thing. And he was explaining hmm. everything clearly. Like he was predicting what the guy would do next, telling us why this person's doing that and what they're thinking about. It's like watching two grandmasters play, but then having someone tell right. you about why they're making the moves they're making. So, right. So how did this guy know all this stuff? Joe's story is that he started off as, he comes from a pretty messed up home. Messed up meaning his parents were apparently very loving. But they were working all the time. So they were never around. And okay. he has and had a lot of aggression in him. And so he channeled right. that by doing Taekwondo. Right? Which is the, this is the martial art, which is basically kick, kicking. Like if you watch yeah. a Taekwondo tournament, it's basically kick, kicking people. There is some rudimentary punching happening, but nothing much. And so mm-hmm. he was mm-hmm. training in this. When and he's an aggressive person, so he's always been into combat. Um, and okay. then he went and started kickboxing. Actually, he started boxing. Right. I don't know which it was. Anyway, he realized that the hands made such a big difference, and that okay. when someone could punch him, uh, he when someone came close enough to punch him and he couldn't kick them, he was in trouble. Uh huh. He didn't know how uh-huh. to deal with that. And then he realized that this fighting that he was doing was very limited. Like, there are so many rules about what you can and can't do. It's not a real fight. Like, the referee is there pulling you apart all the time. Right. And so then he started looking into all of this. He got into Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. There was mixed martial arts happening in Japan, funded by the Yakuza. And that sort of, that <laughs> sort of melted down because of the Yakuza. There was just too much corruption. Um, In fact, they were telling people to use steroids. (laughs) It was in the contract, apparently. Like, not to use, but we do not test for steroids. In capital, bold Right. (laughs) Right. So, Joe Rogan caught my attention because he was so articulate and so aware of the art of fighting. Like, he was... So I tried to explain this to my mom. She was saying, what Mm -hmm. is the joy about fighting? And I realized that it is if you can get past the violence, and that's hard, because if you're a human right. being with empathy, the first thing you think about is, um, my God, that guy being hit, poor fellow, think of his family. But fighters, sure. and even me in the moment, there's a, there's a switch you make in your mind where this is a sport, and all of that doesn't matter anymore. And this guy came voluntarily, and he wants to beat the other guy up. So once sure, you, I understand that, but I have a block when it comes to seeing blood spr- yeah, spurting out of their yeah. so once face you, and stuff. Anyway, once you put that aside, and if you can't put that aside, you won't enjoy uh, UFC. Hundred percent, I totally get. Sure. That. 
But once sure. you put that aside, there's an art to it. Like if you watch, for example, Federer play, there's a grace, right? Right. There's a huge difference right. between Federer and a lot of the other successful tennis players. It's mm-hmm. the same with fighting. Like when you're able to put aside the violence and just watch the physical motion, there's a difference mm-hmm. between a well-executed kick and a sloppy one. There's a difference between right. uh, um, a champion who can chain together, punch to elbow to kick to take down. Like it's like a chain. Right. Like it's a combination. And Joe was able to see this and describe it to the viewers. Right. And so this guy then struck me as being someone who was seeing things and maybe life slightly differently than I am. Mm. And so mm. then I thought, let me check out his podcast. And that's how I, that's the door into uh, the Joe Rogan experience and the uh, rabbit hole that is Joe Rogan. All right. So, so, so tell, tell me about um, what <laughs> rabbit hole that is Joe Rogan. You can that, go that's on. a nice He's way of. He's got some 1,500 episodes, man, of his podcast, JRE. Okay. That's, it's, it's, okay. He's been going for years. Okay. I was going to ask you uh, do you know when he started? Oh, good question. Maybe about, um, actually, I don't know. I don't know for sure. At least six years, maybe longer. But he, sh- okay. he records like a show a week, uh, at least. Okay. Sometimes two or three. I think he's done back-to-back shows in a day. Um, but yeah, he's, he's quite prolific. And this is the other thing. He does repeat himself, but not as much okay. as most other podcasters. Like, you got to remember... What do you mean repeat himself? So in terms of, of topic? We have stories that we like telling, ideas that we yeah. like selling. Um, things like that. Yeah. Uh, he does too. And you can see themes, uh, which we could probably get into as, as this conversation goes on. But a sure. lot of what he says says, orig- um, says stays original, um, which okay. I find quite, quite impressive. Uh, that is very difficult to do. Yes, especially when you're a thousand episodes in. Absolutely. And I think I would repeat myself in the span of one episode. I think <laughs> I, think I did in the last episode. Have. Yeah, we probably have. <laughs> I think we have what, about five mm. episodes in us, do you think? And then we, <laughs> and then we wrap it up. <laughs> I think we're done after, I mean, after I'm one. done after this episode. <laughs> but let's see if we can bore our audience a little yeah. bit more. Um, so, so Joe has a lot going for him, but he's also got a, had a lot of people criticize him. Uh, which we so can... obviously, this is a skill uh, which comes in having conversations, being able to um, have a good, uh, a varied set of conversations with people, right? Yes, it's. Is that what is that what it's all it about? It comes with being open-minded enough to let people express themselves. Uh, because okay. Joe is. Well, he's a man's man. So he's aggressive. So he likes fighting. He likes hunting. Um, he's, it's like, a, and this is the other thing I like about the show. It's a bunch of these alpha males sitting around and mm-hmm. talking. So his Joe Rogan experience, they have these in, the, uh, interviews with people, which is probably what you've come across. But he right. also has what they call a fight companion, which is where they watch UFC. Like if UFC is having an event, and an event means a whole evening of fighting. So maybe five different fights by famous fighters. Okay. And then before that, they have an undercard with up-and-coming stars who no one's heard about. So 
Uh-huh. That's what you'd call a UFC. So he's not commenting, he's not commentating on these. Uh, so now, because he's the dada, he only commentates on things that happen in America. So if the event oh, okay. is somewhere else in the world, he won't fly. So for right. those events, when it's somewhere else, he is in his podcast studio with a bunch of his alpha male friends. And they're watching and laughing and joking around. Now, hmm. the reason I like this is I would never be their friend. And I'm in no way an <laughs> alpha male. But this allows right. me to hear, to just listen into this conversation which I would never have been able to do otherwise. Like, okay. to get into that world, you have to have fighting skills. Like, they won't respect you mm. unless you have those fighting skills. I mean, now, these mm-hmm. guys aren't animals. I'm not saying that they're not decent human beings. But I'm saying they can be polite to you. You could meet them for dinner and chat. But to hang yeah. out with them, you need to pass that test, right? Like, they're not... It, it's, a, sure. it's a process. So... The, well, yeah, it's... I think that happens with um, any... Any group of people. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Take a comic book enthusiast, for example, right? Yes, exactly. You mix up... Or, or a sci-fi fan. You mix up Star Wars and Star Trek and you're gone. <laughs> you are not... Absolutely. <laughs> My favorite Star Wars episodes. Is that the one where Picard goes somewhere? That's it. <laughs> don't you <laughs> dare, man. <laughs> Don't, don't you dare. <laughs> the door's going to be slammed in your face. Um, Absolutely, I agree. So let's get back to uh, Joe Rogan. Yeah, so his um, interview skills come from being able to listen to a, uh, to a bunch of point of views, to different points of view, and uh, yeah. explore those ideas without judging the person. So he gets a mix of people across the spectrum. So uh, why I, I went off onto that tangent is he's considered to be this man's man um, he likes hunting. Yeah, like, and he's still able to Yeah. So you uh, think of him as people. a meathead, yeah. like someone who's just, just violent. That's it. He doesn't think. He's like a frat boy. Uh, but sure. that's not true. He does think. He does uh, explore ideas. I and mean, that's one of the reasons why I'm interested in him, because he does explore ideas um, quite deeply. Now, you may not agree with his assessments. You may not agree with his stance. But he does uh-huh. have the ability to explore an idea. Um, so hmm. that's one. And two, I really think it's the long form podcast that right. he refuses to go on shows, uh, on TV shows, because it's you have three minutes to discuss something and then you have an ad break or a word from your sponsors or whatever. You can't explore an idea in that sort of a situation. Um, so right. it's, it's a mix of, it's his personality, which is very interesting. It's the long form podcast and his ability to let people, um, lay out their ideas over like an hour and a half or two hours. Uh, yeah, I, I think, I think that's also really important, right? Because we don't really see many conversations, do we? No. Um, we're all interested in, um, either short TV shows or just the news where you um, get an assessment of a particular subject in a span of five, um, ten minutes maximum. Right. And that's it. We don't really get to have conversations or see conversations with um, experts in any field these days um, that last longer than five minutes. Absolutely. Experts and controversies. When someone says something controversial, we... Mm -hmm. uh, like someone sends out a, a, a crazy tweet, right? 
I mean, mm-hmm. it's their fault. Shame on them for for having said that in a public forum. If you're not sure about something, share it with your friends, not the world. All that is there. But one thing I'm realizing is it's very easy to judge someone based on one tweet, but you don't know the full story. So sure. you may well be right, but when you give them an hour and a half or two hours to talk, Maybe you'll realize they haven't thought things through. Like they come across as being racist. It's just they're uninformed. You know, things like that. Um, I, I get that. I think uh, that's the other advantage uh, of, of these long form proper conversations without um, emotive per se. This is just let's talk. Let's you and I communicate. There's a different feel mm. to that sort of an exchange. Hmm. I think what you just said um, triggered a memory of a conversation with uh, Thomas where um, he was talking about, this is uh, Your parkour, Thomas, yeah. uh, the, the parkour guy. So um, he's a, he's a, he's a French parkour... French tracer, yes, currently a, a firefighter. Right. And um, he was talking about how many people who start off doing parkour are, are really interested in it just for the thrill of doing parkour. But then when you have a real long conversation and just ask them, probe, and find out why, or at least ask them to think about why they are really interested in parkour and why they really want to achieve what they're trying to achieve, then um, it's kind of a revelation for them as well as for everybody else, you know? Right. Like you said, sometimes they don't realize why they're doing something. Yes, absolutely. The the, the interesting thing about Joe, though, is, and this is where the aggression comes in, he, Mm -hmm. um, I think, has mellowed with age, but he's quite confrontational. Like, if he doesn't agree with something you're saying, he's going to say, that doesn't make sense. Like, he'll say it (laughs) straight to your face, that doesn't make sense. Uh, but right, and then it's on the uh, other person to explain, explain it in a way yes. that makes sense. He's not going to go along with you. Like I think my conversational style would be different because, and I think yours too, where we would sort of let the other person play out their idea and then see what you can work with. It's sort of a collaboration. Whereas with Joe, a lot of the time it is quite confrontational, but it's mm. not mean confrontational. He's just, mm-hmm. he sees a problem and he says it. He doesn't, he doesn't try and sugarcoat anything, um, which is right. a refreshing style of its own, but uh, it can be quite unsettling if you're not ready for it. Well, I guess that makes sense. If you don't really have any advertisers to appease. Yeah, um, yeah, absolutely. He can, he, can, he can really go for it without... Uh, see, that's the other thing. Um, his whole show, like he talks about this. So he's, in addition to being a martial artist his, and a mm-hmm. podcaster, his, his occupation is being a stand-up comedian. And so right. he has a bunch of uh, stand-up guys on his show, like his gang. Like uh-huh. they tour the country, they go to... Uh, Doesn't that seem really uh, disparate? Um, MMA and then uh, stand-up comedy? Yes, yes. He's... Joe's always been someone who likes uh, uh, to have uh, a couple of things going at the same time. He gets mm-hmm. bored when you're doing just one thing all the time. 
I've not seen any of his stand-up comedy. Have you? Mm, yeah, I have. I'm not a big fan. He's very aggressive, very crass. Uh, I'm not okay. really a fan of his stand-up. Like I, <laughs> I've been following Joe a lot, but I realized that he and I would not be friends. Like, <laughs> it, it just wouldn't work. The only reason this so works you're is... a fan of his ability to have a conversation yes. and a fan of his uh, insight into MMA technique yes. and um, MMA. Um, uh, insight into the chess-like thinking behind MMA. Absolutely. I'm a okay. fan of, and his view of the world is interesting. But when it comes to things like his comedy or even him hanging out with his friends, like I do find some of his comedic bits funny, but by and large, it's just too aggressive and too crass for me to sort of get into. Um, I also right. joke, like, if I was, say, 12, and my mom caught me watching the Joe Rogan experience, she'd ground me. Mm-hmm. Um, because he's what you'd call a quote-unquote bad influence. Um, because right. he's swearing all the time, he's smoking joints all the time. I mean, his whole lifestyle right. is... But here's the interesting thing, like, coming back to the comic aspect of it. He's saying that some of the most interesting people in his life that he's ever met have mm-hmm. had messed mm-hmm. up childhoods, like ri- like broken sure. homes, and they, like Joe himself would spend most of his free time in a pool hall. He's a huge fan of pool, snooker, pool. And uh, one of his close friends was this heroin addict who would uh, he would he would um, get his heroin, shoot up in the bathroom, and then come out to the pool okay. hall. This is in a pool hall. Uh, come out and then start kicking ass playing pool and. When Joe describes these characters, it's like out of a book or a movie. Um, this right. is, these are the people who he sees as family. And so it's really hmm. interesting to, um, to see this world, which I would have brushed off. Like a lot of his friends, I would not have been friends with. I would not have wanted to spend time with them. I don't want to spend time with them. Right. But when I right. see them hanging out together, and I don't have to interact. I get to watch human dynamics at play. I get to hear stories. I get to hear how someone else would live their life. It's a, this podcasting is really powerful. It's a very interesting thing because it's a one-way relationship. You get to learn yeah. about the person you're listening to. And they don't mm-hmm, know mm-hmm. or care about what you think. That changes a lot. Because if they don't care about you, they're going to say what they want to say. And if you don't get to interrupt them, you have to let them say what they want to say. And so there's a lot of mm. learning that happens. At least that's, that's been my experience. That's interesting. Yeah. Especially, uh, so I see it as uh, a window into someone else's world, right? Exactly. Exactly. Hmm. That's, that's interesting. Have you always wanted to try meditating but never quite got around to it? Try guided meditations on the Waking Up app from popular neuroscientist Sam Harris. Spend just 10 minutes a day following Sam's instructions and you'll see how simple meditation really is. Having someone talking in your ear makes it so much less boring for us beginners. Plus, there are loads of interviews, lessons and insights from other experienced pros. Download the app on Google Play or the Apple Store. Uh, 
Try Affinity suite of apps called Photo, Designer, and Publisher. They're perfect if you're a freelance photographer or designer, and Affinity is currently offering a 90-day trial period with a 50% discount afterwards. Try them out today at affinity.serif.com. Yeah, we're talking about Joe Rogan, the way he is able to really be able to speak to people from diverse and maybe even, even troubled yes. backgrounds and really um, appreciate, appreciate in a way that we wouldn't be able to and therefore give us a picture, um, a window into a world that we would never see otherwise. Right. He's, he's also um, very good at, and I'd love to hear your take on this, one of the issues that keep coming up um, in, uh, in a lot of his podcasts is free speech. Yeah. Because uh, okay. comedians need to be able to say whatever they want to say to be funny. And sure. their, I think, by and large, their metric is if it makes people laugh, you can say it. Now, their argument is that really hurtful stuff that's meant mm -hmm. to be mean doesn't make people laugh. So you have people right. swearing for the sake of swearing, being just racist for the sake of being racist, people aren't going to laugh. Um, it, that's what their take is. So a huge theme in a lot of his shows is about being able to say what you want to say and developing a tough, tough skin. So don't, like, as they put it, nerf the world. Like, if I say something that hurts your feelings, is uh -huh. that because I've said something bad or is that because you just happen to have your feelings hurt? Now, this is a debate. Oh, this it. is a debate that can go on, but Joe does call a lot of people who aren't quite popular, like Jordan Peterson. Or um, mm -hmm. I don't know if we've, we've talked about Jordan Peterson before, right? The Canadian psychologist. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and then yeah. uh, Ben Shapiro. He's the Jewish conservative guy. That's all I can offer. I don't quite agree with most of what he says. So I haven't really, okay. I, can't, I can't do him justice. But the idea okay. is when you hear people say stuff you don't want to hear yourself, do yeah. you turn away or do you try and shut them down? And that's something that right. comes up. Like if someone says, if someone's being mean on Twitter, do yeah. you just stop following them or do you start a, do you rally to have them banned from Twitter? Right, right. right. What's, what's your take on this? What, how do you see this? I think there are two ways to look at this. Um, that is, if they're just saying something that I don't agree with, I usually, um, like I say, stop following this person. Or on Facebook, there's that option to um, not see posts from that person anymore, right? Right. So I use that. Whereas if, um, if it is something that actually has a negative impact on something that um, again, something that I think um, hurts a great many other people. Um, so recently for the, um, in, in politics, the anti-CAA protests versus the pro-CAA protests. Right. Um, I think that where it affects people at large, people um, who are unable to defend themselves, especially, 
then um, at that point, it's important to step in. Right. What's your take? I agree. I agree. It's it's hard. I remember Bill Maher on his um the 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 political comedian, right? Um, yeah. What the show's name is. He was talking about how if you are liberal, then you need mm-hmm. to defend liberal values, and one of them would right. be your right to free speech. So even if someone right. is being a dick, you let them say what they have to say. Now, the question is, people do cross the line. And how do you decide where the line is and who decides where the line is? <clears throat> so I don't really have much of a say. Um, I'm the sort of person who would rather change myself than change the world. So if I came across someone like this, I would just change the channel. But you can't have people like me in the, making policy decisions. Right at that level, you have to decide. Like Twitter has to decide who do we ban, who do we not ban. Um, True. And then a lot of so, people will say, "Well, you are left leaning, so you're banning right leaning people." Right. True, and 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 that does that does go uh, against uh, the principle of free speech and all of that. Yes, right. I agree. Um, but then, what happens to the people who don't have a voice? Exactly. You know, so what happens in this case, I think, is not to shut them down so much as engage and really um, try to show that person that their point of view does not take into account the people that it really affects. Yeah. And that's exactly what was happening with the anti-CAA protest. Right. Um, but I found that um, I just could not um, get people to understand what I was talking about. So the only real option was to um, disengage. Absolutely. Yeah. The, this, like, to take a concrete example, he had um, Jordan Peterson on. Uh, the, mm-hmm. So Jordan Peterson, for those uh, people listening who haven't heard about him, he's a um, Canadian psychologist, a professor of psychology. I'm sure he has other uh, accolades, but that's, that's the easiest way to think of him. And he became famous slash infamous a while ago because he was arguing against being forced to use someone else's gender pronoun. So, for example, Mm -hmm. he has no problem with trans men and women demanding um, rights or, you know, are definitely being accepted for, for who they are as they discover themselves. But he had a problem with the the government, at least wait, this is how he expressed it. I've heard disagreements about this, but he has a problem with the government telling him the words he should and shouldn't do. So if he sees someone right. who he thinks, who, who, he, who looks like, okay, let's just call it biological sex. So they uh, right. have been born with, would say, male genitalia and male sex mm-hmm. hormones. Um, he Mm -hmm. felt that he should be able to call that person he. And Mm -hmm. just because the person identifies as um, now a a woman, or is a woman, that would be the more appropriate Mm -hmm. way of saying it. Mm -hmm. If, uh, If people through conversation all agreed that this is the best thing to do and for that person's, you know, um, we want to, to do this, that's one thing. 
Peterson argues okay. that it's a problem when the government orders them to do it. Hmm. So he's saying, not only are we not being, are we being told the words we can't use, like, so you can't use the N-word in America. It's just not allowed. I mean, mm -hmm. you're not going to be arrested, mm -hmm. but it's a problem. He says yes. that's one thing. But telling people what they have to use is a whole different level. That's a level of control that isn't there before. So he sees this as right. an ideological battle. Now, forget about whether you agree with that or not. Um, and I'm probably not even doing justice to that topic. There's so much depth to it. But the issue is, if Jordan Peterson comes to your college, should mm -hmm. you let him speak and debate him? Or should you stage protests and prevent him from coming onto your college campus? Sure. I agree. I, I, I think um, uh, it is very important to be able to allow other people to speak and to engage um, at their level. Right. But for that, you have to be able to articulate your own points, right? Yes. And when you can't, when you don't yes. really know why you think a particular way, and when they that's are a, when, when they're a better debater than you, that becomes very frustrating. Sure. Sure. But again, it's not just about um, whether they're a better debater. Um, but when you just don't have the ammunition behind your um, thought process. Right. You know, if, if you can't really um, explain why you think a particular way other than it's supposed to be this way. Yeah. Um, and a friend of mine, in fact, said that this, uh, this refusing to let someone on your campus mm -hmm. is one form of communication. Like, this is us saying, this is us saying, no, we don't want you. I agree. So... One thing that I learned is that um, everything is communication, even if even refusing to communicate is communication. Right. Yes. Yes. So Rogan uh, gives people. So this is why I think he gets attacked because there is a um, theme to the kind of people he brings on. A lot of them are conservative. Okay. A lot of them are right wing. Um, he's also. A, oh yeah. Sorry. So we have mixed martial artist, comedian, okay. Um, okay. drug proponer, proponent, not just drugs, I mean, um, uh, hallucinogens, like LSD All stuff right. that give, give uh, what they call, I don't know what the term is, but it's not recreational. You don't take these drugs okay. for fun. You take them because they take you on a journey and quote unquote, teach you about yourself. Um, I think Madawana. that would be psychedelic. Yes, psychedelics. Yeah. And... Um, the other thing is uh, hunting. He's a huge hunter. He bow hunts. Um, right. And that's another... I think you mentioned something about politics also. What, what, what is that about? Um, his, so politics, it's hard to peg him. So this whole right-wing sort of a thing, you do have a lot of right-wing... Actually, I don't know what these terms are. I just... I have an emotion that I attach to certain people. And right. I, yeah, so I don't quite know what right-wing means. But I, right. I could point out right-wing people. So uh, he has a lot of right-wing people on. Um, and he's, I think he gets judged negatively. And because he okay. has these other labels, hunter, fighter, um, you know, um, he's a, he's a prov uh, provocative comedian. Like he says stuff to just shock people. Um, it's very uh -huh. easy to think of him as a meathead. 
Um, and maybe he is. But I think because I've got to know him through this back door, I'm mm-hmm. able to see that there's a lot more nuance to him than you think. Okay. Um, and he's very articulate. So when he brings people like this on, it gives me a chance to listen to, okay, let's take Ben Shapiro. You just Google him and he's this angry man ranting most of the time. And okay. I would never watch his show, but he has okay. his own podcast. But when I watch right. Joe talk to Ben Shapiro, okay. Joe is taking me on this journey. That I can do. That I can follow. Mm-hmm. So okay. uh, I, that's, yeah, we come back to that, the conversational aspect of, of so what he's, he does. He's kind of, kind of bridging um, lots of different Worlds. Um, yes, he had. Worlds, so would... he has a lot of people. He has friends who are Trump supporters. Um, mm-hmm. And if you ask him whether he's a Trump supporter, he'll say absolutely not. But he's able mm. to just laugh at the stuff Trump does and say, oh, this guy is amazing. Look at what like amazing meaning. He's really good at playing a troll. He's he's right. like. Joe's able to just I think comedians are able to do this, which is to laugh before taking a side. Like, you right. don't have to, they don't take things as, uh, they do take things seriously, but not, they mm-hmm. don't, they take much less of, uh, they take life much less seriously than most of us do. Definitely more, uh, right. less seriously than I do. They don't get worked right. Right. up that easily. Their first reaction seems to be just crack a joke. And once you're cracking a mm. joke, you, everyone sort of loosens up. So yeah. he has this ability to, um, you know, listen to different points of view. So he'll have Trump supporters on and then he'll have Bernie Sanders on. Bernie Sanders came on the Joe Rogan experience. I saw that. Yeah. And that seemed like a pretty good conversation. Yes. So, I mean, I don't know many people who can tolerate such different views. Um, yeah. And he is difficult. able to do that. Yeah. So I don't agree with him on many things uh, that this is Joe. Uh, but he mm. is definitely uh, an, expe- an experience. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, I wonder... That speaks a lot of uh, title, right? Yeah. I, I also wonder show. whether a lot of this is just my personality. You should check out a couple of his shows. And in fact, I'd encourage our listeners to just check out a couple of his shows. Um, Do you have any thoughts on where they should start off which conversations should they start if off you're, on? if you're a 20 if you're in your 20s and male start off with dan bilzerian's um uh, <laughs> the podcast with dan <laughs> bilzerian because he talks about the crazy partying lifestyle um yeah you've come across dan right i have yeah he's a character man he's like this womanizer but he's a womanizer who's open up with the women up front Right. Like it's it's a real weird mix. Another example of someone I would not be friends with, but who I find so entertaining sure. when I listen to on an interview. Like, like <laughs> it's just weird. The internet's weird, man. So yeah, Dan Bilzerian. Um, what, there were some others. So he has um, okay, uh, Navy St- Navy Seals. So there is right. Jocko Willink. He's yeah, another. Dark. I've come across him too. By the way, this aggression, I've got to bring this up. Um, Joe talks about this, that like, if you were to ask him, why do you want to, why self-defense? And I think 
One mm-hmm. one aspect is that he's seen situations where people take control physically and right. dom and assert dominance. Right. You see your step. This didn't happen in Joe, but it's sort of like you see your friend's father slap the shit out of your friend. Right. Your view of the world changes. You now mm. realize that other people can do whatever they want to me and I won't be able to do anything. And sure. then that then drives you to strengthen yourself. And so then Joe learned how to fight to defend himself. And mm. these Navy SEALs have a similar sort of uh, approach to life. Like Jocko Willink, the guy I just mentioned, he's mm-hmm. a Navy SEAL, very reputable. He's written a book called Extreme Ownership. Like he's done the rounds mm. on all the shows. But he's a mm. hardcore guy. And I remember someone asking him, why do you wake up and train at five in the morning? And he mm-hmm. said something along the lines of somewhere out there is a terrorist, an evil man, mm-hmm. and he's waking up at five in the morning and training. And he's right. training to kill me. And so now right. I need to train so that I can fight. Like That's an intense view of life. Like I wouldn't mm. want to live a life. I wouldn't want to live his life. For sure. But I right. would love to hear him talk for about an hour and a half. Just to try and figure out what makes him tick. Like to see the world differently, right? Right, right. Do you, does yeah, that interest uh, I you? I think. Do you, would you do that? Would you be able to listen to absolutely. someone? Absolutely. And I think that's why we're doing this podcast too, right? Right. Um, to be able to uh, have conversations with people who will probably open uh, some door in the back of your mind. and. Uh, um somehow help you uh think differently right but i mean I, i'm open to people changing my mind on pretty much anything right yeah yeah i've noticed that about you you do leave yourself open to new ideas you don't generally get married to one particular idea and then defend that like to your death these are these yeah. are useful useful i th- i think that's important mm yeah as long as there's a solid reasoning behind something um i think for the most part i don't think probably not every single topic that i would discuss i'm open to on that level um that's something probably that i probably need to work on right but um on many many different um subjects i'm pretty much open to discussion and uh having people change my mind right yeah then but usually hmm. what happens is it's not just one topic right um if you speak to somebody who comes from a, a totally different uh, angle it's a series of interlinked topics so if you're talking about religion right then or sorry if you're talking about something that's linked to religion like um whether you should follow uh, the rules um unthinkingly you know it says this so i must do this right um that is linked to religion and how you follow religion and faith and all of that so usually it's um something that's entirely different from what you're talking about right um so i think it's not just that one topic you need to really change a person's attitude about some fundamental topics to be able to um change my mind about something else yeah and 
I also wonder how much of this is sort of hardwired into you. Like, there's a theory that some certain types of brain wiring uh, predisposes you to be liberal and other types mm-hmm. predispose you to be conservative. Now, you obviously can shift, but you notice like a pattern of thinking, a pattern of approaching certain ideas. I think ideas. a lot of that comes from how you were brought up and uh, right. what you've seen around you in your life, right? Right. Um, and I agree, yes. Um, some of that you probably can't change because it's really hardwired you, into you from the time you were young. But um, I think it comes down to whether you're able to really empathize with the people that you're talking to. Um, I can empathize with people without having to accept their points of view. I think that's also important. Right. Can you be close friends with someone who has the opposite political view? I think I am. Really? Well, not not close friends. Um, I I'd say I, I'm friends with people who have um, a very strong opposing political view. Could you be friends with a Trump supporter? <laughs> Boom! I said it. <laughs> I don't. I I don't know whether I know anyone who's a Trump supporter. I I feel like I consider myself to be open-minded, but just listening to the stuff he says, I find it really hard to take anyone seriously if they like him. Like it's it's just so hard. I I think um, he's having listened to a couple of his speeches. I think. He's um, he's a very smart guy, and a lot of the stupid things he says is uh, I think a lot of it is done intentionally and with a reason behind it. Wait, what? <laughs> you don't think he's just a dumbass bumbling along? Well, um, I don't think he's I a think dumbass he bumbling does along. Stuff that works, right? Like nicknaming your opponent. Crooked Hillary or whatever. Oh, all of that. That's Absolutely. genius. But does he know it's genius? Or he's just he just does that and it happens to have worked? No, I think I think he's really he's intelligent. Okay. Um, but he's also um you know, he's he's got a bit of a um I don't know how to describe it really, but he's he's doing this on purpose, I think. He's got a reason why he's doing it. And really? it's intentional. Seriously. I think so. Okay. I I guess I can't I can't really Yeah, it just Well, just, you have to do I, you, I just you, you do have to consider that he's the president of the US. Right. True, true. Right. That, that is and a fact. It's not, he is the president. You can't get that job just by being a bumbling idiot and just stumble into it, right? Right. Or maybe you he can. He might have a lot of... Maybe you can. Maybe you just... I, I don't believe so. Maybe it's so. a slumdog millionaire situation. You just happen to have <laughs> said all the right things at the right time, had the right life experiences, and it just clicks. No, man, you're right. You're right. It, it's, it's too... These are too many things that would have to fall in line for it to work. A part of me just thinks it's just that, it's that much of a fluke, but another part of me has to accept that yeah, it's not easy to become president. 
he has. Yeah, I think I think he's. Um, I think in many cases he's deli- uh, deliberately malicious to people. Um, but that is um, well thought out. Right. Thinking. I guess we need to redefine. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I think he is. Yeah, what you're saying may be true, but he is also very narcissistic and thin-skinned. Absolutely. So he gets, he gets Absolutely. hurt so easily, which is why he lashes out at everyone. And everything has to come back to how it's, he's brilliant and his ideas were great. And yeah, it's a, it's a psych. Yes. Uh, so I was recently uh, listening to this conversation that he was having about the COVID-19 situation. And he's talking about um, how the governor of New York um, was not nice to him, but he's being nice to them, sending them ventilators. So <laughs> it is a personality thing. Like, why should I do anything for him yes. when he's not being nice to me? When That's like it's a actually, three-year-old kid. Like, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. But again, the job is not pandering to the governor of New York. It is taking care of the people of the state. Right. Right. So, um, yeah, he's, he's got his priorities skewed. They're very skewed for him. And there are also, there are also, like, for example, my biases. Like, um, because of my background and my upbringing, I sort of appreciate particulate pe- people who are well put together so you give me someone like Obama and uh, I'd be very happy because like, I was watching this, this debate Obama had many years ago. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It was sort of a question and answer session with a group of people. And mm-hmm. he was having a debate about gun control. And this person, right. this pro-gun person stood up and says, why are you taking away guns from good people just because a few evil people? Do, do some bad things. Why are you taking away my guns? Or something to that effect. Hmm. And Obama brilliantly explored the issue without making any value judgments about that guy or why we right. need guns. Or it was, he dealt with the issue, not, he didn't attack the person. So right. these are things that rank high in my book. Like, that's how you get my respect. How would you... Um... How do you approach an interview with Narendra Modi? I find that hard. I find that hard because they just, at so many base levels, we disagree. Like our ways of life, our ideas of, yeah, I would not be able to handle that interview. Um, I, it would be, it would be then, pointless. I could ask questions, I guess. But no, I wouldn't. Uh, what about you? How would you handle that interview? Pretty much the same as you, I think. I don't think I would be able to handle it more because, um, well, to be honest, um, he hasn't taken up that many interviews, so I don't think he'd take up an interview with just anybody. Right. But on the other hand, um, I've seen interviews with, as you said, Obama speaking to a bunch of YouTubers, and he was able to engage with them at their level, at the level of you and me. So, yeah, that... I think that's our uh, middle class, um, whatever. We're weird. You've heard that term, right? Western, educated, 
industrialize R was something, and D is democratic. So this, this people with this, and although we're Indians, we are rather westernized. So this combination makes you like certain types of things, Obama being one of them. Absolutely. Um, and so right. Trump may have a lot going for him. I don't know. But from my value system and the, my worldview, he just seems like insane, comical, in turn. Um, but I recognize I'm coming at it from my, with my value system. Um, so Absolutely. Uh, as, as are we all, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, so bringing it full circle, I think that's what, uh, that's what Joe Rogan sort of encourages us to do. Do you think Joe Rogan would be able to interview Donald Trump? Oh, absolutely. Have a conversation absolutely. with him for an hour. He would. He would. He definitely would. Um, whether he'd... So the thing is, however impartial Joe... I don't think he, he tries to seem impartial. It's what I'm... Okay. I'm projecting that on him. No, he is mm-hmm. quite impartial. But however impartial he is, his points of view and opinions do come out. So... Right. Um, I don't think it'll be hard for him to get along with Trump, but I don't think he would take him on when it comes to uh, political issues. He'd make it much more, like he'd have a conversation with a person rather than right. a guerrilla president. Right, right. But yeah. That makes sense. I'd like to, <laughs> I'd like to see that. No, but, but uh, Joe, Joe got in trouble, uh, not in trouble, but he got a lot of criticism when he interviewed... Uh, the Twitter guy, Jack Dorsey, because right. they were coming up with free speech and like, why are you shutting people down? And um, right. I didn't watch either of the interviews, but apparently the first interview, he, he didn't ask the hard question. And so then uh-huh. they got a lot of negative feedback. And so then they had a second interview. And I think Jack brought in uh, the whoever's handling, whoever makes those sort of decisions. Uh, when it comes okay. to cancelling people, and then they suppose they had a they had a more rigorous conversation. Um, hmm. Yeah, I don't know which way it would go with Trump, but it would definitely be an interesting conversation. I don't think you can win with a Trump debate, uh, Trump conversation. If you go easy, you're going to be hated by half the country, and if you go hard, you're going to be hated by the other half. So it's uh, it's a tough one. Hmm. But like you said, um, a conversation doesn't have to be um, a debate. It doesn't have to be attacking the difficult topics. It could just be a conversation, right? Absolutely. I, 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 like, I, how are the kids? <laughs> um, did you have a good time this weekend? Connect with the person as a human. I think you're right, man. Both with, both with uh, Modi and with Trump. My challenge, hmm. and I find it very, very hard, would be to see them as a human being and try and connect with that. Uh, I just wonder. See, another thing I came across in one of these, uh, in one of Joe Rogan's podcasts is that, uh, and this was a conversation with the Navy SEAL, um, it's that I haven't seen evil. Now, I'm not saying that Modi or Trump are evil. I don't like them, but that doesn't mean they're evil. But the point is that in my little... um, secluded world uh-huh. uh, I haven't come across really bad stuff so it's easy for me to say we should all get along I don't know how I so like for example 
let's not say Trump or Modi. Let's say ISIS, whoever's leading ISIS right now. Okay. Sitting across the table from that person, I don't know. Should I be uh, trying to con- connect with him as a human? Has he gone? Is he beyond redemption? I mean, these are interesting questions, right? My middle-class sensibilities would say, yes, you need to connect. No one is ever lost. If you show compassion, then they will show compassion. But I have a lot mm. of evidence from people saying that's bullshit. No, <laughs> you show compassion, they see that as weakness and they will kick your ass. So it's, uh, it's hard to know, right? What do you think? I agree to both, strangely enough. <laughs> right. So it's a matter of when to apply. I think it, I think it depends on yeah, when that's applied. Um, if there is a person who truly has um, malicious intent for every person who does not, in, uh, does not agree with him, then do you apply your principles or their principles to them? Right. Yeah. I think that's a difficult question to answer, right? Yeah, I think I would actually, now that now that we're talking about it, with, uh, with this podcast and my own podcast, and I'm sure you'll do the same with yours, I'd love to challenge myself. Like slowly start speaking to people who I'm not a fan of. Um, and try and, but the thing is then it becomes tough, right? If, someone's, if someone has a harmful ideology, do you cause mm-hmm. more damage by trying to understand them? I guess it's how you'd handle it. Not necessarily put forth their ideology, but question, ask the right questions. Basically, open them up, and then the world can decide, right? Again, then you ask, uh, then you have to ask yourself, are you providing them with a platform to spread that, their ideology? Yeah, that's a tough one. In the instance that you give um, of speaking to the uh, leader of uh, ISIS. Right. Um, why would you even perform, why would you even give them that opportunity? Right. But at the same time, by not doing that, you are uh, closing your my, mind to their uh, thought process. Yeah. So it's it's a it's a difficult question. It's um, I think that's something that we need to leave uh, for the moment and explore in a different conversation. Yeah, it it'll be interesting to to talk about that. Um, yeah. So I think I think we've covered. This is the beginner's guide to Joe Rogan. Um, actually, in the show notes, I will list some episodes that I found fun. Uh, that would be great. Uh, if you're a um, a girl in your 20s to 30s, a good start would be Whitney Cummings, the comedian, because uh, hmm. she's a good foil to Rogan's tough guy, because she's very liberal, um, very sort of an empowered woman. Uh, so so it's, it's, it's fun to watch them interact because they're good friends. Right. They have very different views, but they're good friends. Um, so anyway, I will list some show notes and uh, as well as UFC fights because there are some um, the UFC puts out a few fights for free uh, meaning you don't have to pay you can just watch them on YouTube okay okay um, yeah so. and so so that'd be a good uh, example of how he uh, is good at commentating yes how he's good at commentating actually you know what we need to do another podcast uh, <laughs> we can do a mix of 
Um, because women in the UFC, watching uh-huh. women fight um, has opened my eyes up to a lot of the gender stereotypes that, like, that I have and like many men, if not most, from my generation has. Um, okay. So, but Let's we can do, do that. that on another How podcast. How about we do that next? Yeah, we should do that next. Absolutely, we should. We may get in trouble, and but we should, we should attempt to do it. I don't think we'll get in trouble. We don't have any uh, broadcast um, oversight. Right. So we can pretty much talk do what about you want. anything. And uh, the only trouble we get into is um, with our families. <laughs> <laughs> ah, well, this has been fun, dude. This has been fun. I think if anybody has a comment, please leave a message. There'll be a link at the end of the show notes. You can leave us a message and we will um, include it in the podcast itself. And we would love to address anything that you have, all your thoughts. Yes. Um, um, Sushil and I are both exploring right now. So we are having conversations that we find fun. But it would be interesting to hear what you find interesting. And, uh, you know, there could be a huge overlap. That'll, that'll help guide us as this uh, first season evolves. Yeah, and let us know um, if you want us to talk about anybody else in particular, talk to anybody else in particular, as at the moment, we have a limited selection of people that we can uh, reach out to. Um, But as um, things grow, hopefully we'll be able to reach out to a larger number of people uh, from varied backgrounds and be able to have a chat with them, um, gain insight into their thinking, and even explore our own thinking. Absolutely. So what? So do we end on that yes. one? Till next time, folks, and uh, till next time, Sushil. Bye to you. Have a good weekend. Yes. Take care.